Hello and welcome once again to Film Club. I'm Adam. And I'm Bex. And Film Club is the podcast where we shake this little jar full of film categories, uh, pick out a one at random each week, and then we each pick a film in that category and watch and then discuss our choices. The aim of which is to have a cheap night in, watch some films we might have forgotten about, some forgotten classics, and occasionally an absolute turkey, uh, and to encourage all of you listening to start your own film clubs, see what you can find uh, for cheap. These days, loads of films that came out, in, especially in the 90s, you can get them on DVD on eBay for 99p. So we uh, always set ourselves the rule that the film has to have cost £4 or less to watch. Uh, this week's category is... Uh, I don't know where the doodah is. It's something like a film with a full name in the title. That's it. Uh, yeah, the film has to feature someone's full name. Uh, I like this category because it gave us a lot of scope. Mm. Uh, you could obviously go down the biopic route. So many films uh, about famous people are named directly after them. Sure. Uh, it seems like almost every category we've picked so far, Ace Ventura Pet Detective could have been, Would have been chosen. Yeah. I don't know how that's... that's It's the unicorn of film. It's, yeah. It works for almost every category we've picked so far. And neither of us did, though. No. Probably. This was one of the, this was a category that, as soon as we picked it out, I immediately knew, after a, a few set minutes, what I was going to do. I didn't have to look this up or research it, which is uh, kind of nice. As, like I said, I've said before on a previous episode, that I don't really like consulting, like... Uh, those lists of films with a strong female lead or mm. films with a so this was nice but there are loads of films that we could have picked so does that mean that you the film you thought of first is the film that we watched yes you didn't nothing else was even considered really no and okay. I didn't look it up and, and, and then I kind of did in a bit of research look up other films with it and Ace found loads and loads of films mm. and loads of pretty good films but I still stand by the choice that I made I discovered looking at films with a full Art, uh, a full person's name in the title there's kind of a subcategory of films that are pretty stupid and they always follow the same convention of titles which is first name second name colon occupation like so Ace Ventura Pet Detective is probably one of the the best examples uh-huh. uh, Abraham Lincoln vi- Vampire Killers oh. killer that was another one uh, and possibly starting to head towards the bottom of the barrel Paul Blart Moore Cop <laughs> have you but, ever seen that? No, I, I've seen I've seen enough to know that I don't want to see the rest. But there's yeah, there's a whole there's a whole genre there. Um, and then I thought about going for some biopics. Uh, I, for some reason, J Edgar popped into my head, the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, J Edgar Hoover biopic. But I'm not sure that would have counted because his surname's Hoover and it's not in the title. J Edgar is oh, not is that enough. What the title is? Yeah. So for the same reason, you probably couldn't go for uh, Will Smith's Muhammad Ali biopic because I think it's just called Ali and that doesn't count because it's not the full name. Mm, yeah, correct. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, have you seen, um, what did you just say? J Edgar. Yeah, have you seen that though? Yeah, I have. It's a bit slow and boring. Well, yeah, as is one of the films I ended up picking, but we'll get on to that. Um, The only other film I think I seriously considered was being John Malkovich, uh, because I haven't seen it for ages, and it works on so many layers, and it's generally, I think, considered to be a great bit of art. Agreed. And I've only seen it once, and I cannot even remember what happens. Like, it's it's really wacky and weird, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But in a brilliant way. Yeah, I mean, it, it it takes a bit of a... It takes a smart concept and really runs with it. Mm. Whereas I would say the film I chose takes a very smart concept and then bores the shit out of yeah. you with it. But we'll get onto that. Other, um, other films I thought of were, um, uh, well, I didn't, I wouldn't have considered these, but other options could have been Forrest Gump, Aaron Brockovich, 
Curious Case of Benjamin Button, if you also fancy another mm-hmm. snooze first. Jackie Brown, yeah. that would have been a good one. Scored double points by having uh, the assassination of the heroic, what's it called? You know the one, the Brad Pitt one? The assassination of Jesse James by the coward Howard, oh. Howard Ford or whatever oh, he's called. Two names, one film. Yeah. You then got like uh, cult classics, um, like Napoleon Dynamite you could have had. More mainstream ones, Mary Poppins, Harry Potters, Indiana Jones, um, Jerry Maguire. The Royal Tenenbaums I would, have, I would have thought about. I think you wouldn't get that on a technicality. I yeah, think but you have... Royal Tenenbaum was the dad's name. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right, fair. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. is Royal Tenenbaums. No, I think, okay, I think that's yeah. all right, because it does contain a full name. Yeah. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Goodwill Hunting. So there are, there mm. were so many choices here. Goodwill Hunting and uh, the Royal Tenenbaums is a smart one, because it's not immediately obvious that, that is a, a name. And it's the, one of my favourite films. I love that film so much. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's hands down the best Wes film. Well, then, who knows? There might be. There might also be a um, talking of Goodwill Hunting. There might also be a, a Robin Williams category in here. Aww, maybe I, yeah. d- I can't remember because uh, he's got a, a, that's a wide range. I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire. He, is... He's made some great films and some terrible ones. You putting Mrs. Doubtfire in a terrible film? No, 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 no. But Oof. he has. He has made some. He he went through a real sentimental stage, didn't he? And, and they weren't all good. Yeah. What was that terrible one where he was like in heaven and it and he was a painter or something? Oh, oh, let's I not. Can't let's not. It's not good. Anyway, let's save that for the for our future Robin Williams week if mm. we ever have one. Uh, shall we start with your pick? Yeah, sure. Do it. So I chose 1993's What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I chose this because I think it's a great film. I've not seen it for a very, very. I hadn't seen it, sorry, for a very long time, and um, it's it's in my wheelhouse of 90s films, which I always seem to gravitate towards. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, I remember seeing this when I was a teenager, I guess, and um, and really, really enjoying it. I still remembered. I remembered the whole story, whole film, really, really well when we watched it last night. It was no like, I kind of remember what happened and it didn't quite come to me. Mm. So, what's eating Gilbert Grape? For those who don't know, stars. Um, it's got a killer cast, right? Oh yeah, it's caught a lot of a lot of good people very early mm. that have gone on to be m- massive. So Johnny Depp is obviously Gilbert Grape. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays Arnie Grape. Juliette Lewis is in it. Um, John C. Riley. John C. Riley's in it, and uh, what's her face? Mary Steenberg's in it. Oh yeah. Bergen is in it. Um, so yeah, it's got a really like really good, and it's got a real indie feel to it. Which yeah, I, I mean to, to give people a, a rough synopsis of it. So uh, so Gilbert Grape is basically uh, responsible for looking up, well, kind of holding a household together. Mm-hmm. His mum's clinically obese and hasn't left the house in seven years. His younger brother Arnie uh, has uh, learning difficulties. They're not really, it's not really ever kind of diagnosed or explained explicitly, no. is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind, I guess, it's kind of a film about duty to your family and what it means to kind of escape a small town and kind of the claustrophobia I guess of being sort of trapped in your circumstances yeah and it's kind of it's sad but also really really bright and heartwarming as well like it's I I couldn't quite I wouldn't know how to categorise this film it's yeah it's I mean it's a it's a poignant indie drama I would say um in that again I suppose a lot happens, but also in some ways, not a lot happens. Yeah. It's very, it's it's really tender, but it's tender in all the, in the detail, yeah. in the sort of the like the devotion they have to each other, and especially like about halfway through the film where he basically reaches the end of his tether and, and hits Arnie, yeah. and kind of the ramifications of that and how bad he feels, and 
yeah, and obviously Juliet Lewis' character Becky comes in uh, as kind of like I guess a bit of a nomad. She moves from place to place, and and obviously he faces the prospect of, of losing her, and he can't follow her because of his his kind of the ties to his family. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty heart wrenching, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean for me, it's all about. Um... It's it, like Arnie shouts it a lot. Um, we're not going anywhere. We're not going to mm. go. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere, Gilbert. And um, I guess that's you always get this sense that he doesn't want to be there. And he, when he talks about other people, he's like, they got out and um, they, they 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 made it out of here mm. and stuff like that. And how when the when the travelling um, people in the airstreams come through every year, he's he, there's always this kind of underlying jealousy and um sadness that he can't leave really. yeah that he's trapped in in this yeah this fictitious, fictitious town of indora yeah where they where there's one big supermarket and even that was even little things like he works at the small kind of mom and pop grocery store and there's a big supermarket across town even the bit where he has to rush out and get a cake last minute for arnie's birthday and he has to go to the big store and as he leaves it he sees his boss the mm. boss of the little store and he's got a big cake box with the name of the food store on it and it's just so sad like yeah. he's sort of had to you know had to kind of betray his principles a bit and yeah do you know what though working when you i think we said it when we watched it but in that in the grocery store that he works in so this is like a local grocery store. Imagine it's smaller than like, um, you know, a, a one stop or something. And um, people call up. No, so Juliet Lewis, oh, yeah. this is a classic example. Juliet Lewis is in there getting her groceries. She comes, she cycles in on her bike. She buys a couple of bags of groceries. Then Gilbert's like, his boss is like, Gilbert, you need to run this person home. She chucks her bike in the bike and shopping in the back and then she gets the lift home. Yeah. I mean, if I could do that at any any other store, that I must have be a a, time. only in America and only in the nineties. Yeah. But also what I realised later on is that that really serves the story. If you know if you notice the use of cars to get around, obviously in America it's second nature, everyone has cars, but the use of cars to get around in this is used really cleverly in that People can't get their own groceries home, so he's the only one. He, if you notice, he drives everyone's groceries. Mm. When anyone needs a lift, they call on Gilbert to drive them. Um, Becky's grandmother's car breaks down, and that's why they're stuck in indoor. And basically, it's a. I think it's a really good metaphor on two levels. One, it highlights the claustrophobia of how trapped everyone is in that town that they can't get their food delivered, they can't get around, they need help to get anywhere or do anything. And also, it works to show how much pressure and how much responsibility is leaning on Gilbert, and mm. that he literally is driving everything in the town. He's mm. driving everyone around. He's driving their groceries. He's the one that takes. He has to take Arnie with him everywhere he goes. Like. It's a good. It it sort of adds to that feeling of kind of how hemmed in he is by yeah. his by his circumstances. And his father killed himself, right, in the basement. That's why. He, so he's kind of the he's had to assume that role, right? Yeah. Um. And he so he says that his dad died like sixteen years ago or something. So he would have been quite small. Mm. Um. Is was the implication there that that his dad couldn't handle the responsibility of looking after Arnie? I don't know. Because because certainly it seems like his dad going off, be it suicide or anything else, is what sparked his mum to start kind of comfort eating, and that led to her obesity. Well, like, so I think if you look at the four children, so there's the the eldest sister whose name is Zoe. Mm-hmm. So she's the, she's eldest. Then it's Gilbert. Then it's Arnie. Then it's the little the younger sister. Yeah. Um, I can't remember her name. So. Uh, and and I think because this is based on a book, and I read that um, in the book she's pregnant with the youngest sister when her when the dad dies. Right. So Arnie would have been like two or something mm. when the dad dies, uh, and I think Gilbert must be like what 
five, ten years older than Arnie. Yeah. So yeah. Arnie's 18, he must be yeah. 25. Well, Arnie, yeah, Arnie turns 18 in, uh, and then later, at the very end of the film, 19, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a really nice way to end the film, actually. Um, when they come back, we're probably jumping around a little bit, but when, 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 when it cuts to... So, obviously, in the film... Mama is a bit morbidly obese. She doesn't. She she doesn't go upstairs because she can't climb the stairs. No. Um, and she um is agoraphobic. She doesn't go outside really. And yeah, yeah she. Well, and I, I mean, is it agoraphobia or is it just she's just she feels very shamed by everyone. She's oh, very yeah. she's very like even on his birthday she won't come outside because she just can't face people. Well, I think that is a type of agoraphobia. I suppose, it's fearful yeah. of what you know of people outside and yeah people making fun of her or taking pictures which they do do when she does go outside. She, well, she has thing. to go outside, doesn't she? Because Arnie gets arrested for climbing the water tower yeah. one too many times. Yeah. yeah, and I think her performance is really subtle and um, and good. And I actually read as well she was she'd never before this film she'd never hadn't been out of the house for seven years. Oh really? Yeah, and this woman this is obviously a real woman a real um, a real I don't think she wasn't even an actress I think she was I think they found her like through some Sally Jesse Raphael show like oh, okay. Jerry Jerry um, oh right so she was like the subject of like a sensationalist yeah, talk yeah. show um, but the picture of her as a like a young beauty that is real that's her that was her apparently when she was younger wow. and apparently Johnny Depp found it because in the film he's quite hurtful towards her and he found it's he, he every time he they cut he, he would apologise profusely because mm. he couldn't bear what he was saying well that must be such an emotional thing for her to go through especially not being an actress so mm. not kind of trained to you know to to kind of feel the difference and to use actual childhood photos of her and like it must it must have been parallels with her own experience yeah I guess so and then obviously in the film she dies which mm. is um is a really that that whole bit where the children are in the room and it kind of like jumps time around and they're each, each grieving in their own corner of the of the frame I think that's really that was a really nice really lovely part of the film yeah and then obviously to the, the coroner come, must come by and says we're going to need um, like the National Guard to get her out of the house because mm. she's upstairs and nobody can lift her and so the children take it upon themselves to burn the house down. Yeah, I mean this is like, this is one of those kind of, or it came later, but kind of Donnie Darko moments I suppose of like an indie film that actually manages to handle a really dark turn. Like they're burning their mother's body yeah you know and destroying their family home and i mean yeah. i know again there's like a metaphor for kind of you know starting anew and and being free of, of the ties of having to look after her but you know that's that could have been handled pretty clumsily in, yeah. a, in a worse film and the same with you know leonardo dicaprio playing somebody with kind of fairly severe learning di- or, or kind of extreme autism or severe learning difficulties and 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 the mother's obesity as well given this came out in 93 i feel like a worse film could have made a real mess of that. Mm, yeah, I think I think so. Leonardo DiCaprio got nominated for um, I think an Academy Award, so an Oscar for this for this film, and he he didn't win it, and he was in as a supporting actor. And I and I, I think let's just talk about the Gilbert and Arnie relationship mm. because I think I think it's really I think they do it really really well. And Leonardo DiCaprio apparently went to. Um, homes for um, sort of mentally disabled children in, in research for this role, which is quite a mature thing to do because he was very young. Mm. And this was only like his second film or something. Like it was very early in his career. Before this, he'd done This Boy's Life. Mm-hmm. And then he did What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And then he kind of... Uh, and, and so that was in 93. And if you put this in his, in his like, filmography, in 97, he did Titanic. 
Right, okay. So, and Romeo and Juliet was in 96. Mm-hmm. The Basketball Diaries, which I've not seen, but apparently is a real cult classic. Mm, yeah, I've heard that. Um, that was in 95. But this was kind of the launch of Leonardo DiCaprio, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. and, and you can see why. It's, it, yeah. it's, I mean, he's obviously had a massive, massively distinguished career, but I, I wouldn't argue against this being his best ever role. I think you're right. I'm trying to see how young he was when he did it. So he was born in 74. And this was out in... This was, well, in this 90- was probably filmed in like 92. 90, yeah, yeah. So, so he was about 21, 22 probably right. when this was filmed. So not far off Arnie's actual age, which I think is really impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, and apparently... Uh, so you're, you're right in that this really did springboard his career. Martin Scorsese watched this film and that triggered their relationship. And obviously they've made, like, I think five films together. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when he went to the award show, because he was, like, unknown, no one really knew who he was, and so they saw him in this film, and when he went to the award show and he didn't have mental uh, mm-hmm. special needs, um, everyone was so was kind of dumbstruck by it. They all thought he, he played it so well that he was a special needs actor. I see, yeah. Um, and, and he did do it very well, I thought. He had those, like, ticks going on mm-hmm. and... That kind of sort of almost Tourette'sy saying, there's no kind of emotional uh, um, kind of voice in your head saying, don't say that out loud. He just kind of, yeah. he just and the, says whatever he the wants. repetition of phrases while he's kind of processing mm. them and things like that, yeah. And that when he like flicks his nose all the time, um, he, I think he did that, that was, he, he saw that in the, in the, in his research phase. Mm-hmm. And he saw people doing things like that and he wanted Arnie to have something similar. Um, so yeah, I thought their relationship together, and and jo- obviously Johnny Depp, he he is very he's so he's also very young in this, and he, they have a really nice hatred, and apparently in real life Johnny Depp didn't like Leonardo DiCaprio on set, okay, and because Leonardo was this like kid mm-hmm. and kept like wanting to bum cigarettes off him while his mum was like around the corner and stuff, right? And Johnny Depp was like, nah, just like leave me alone, mm. and so they had this kind of tension. On, on and off camera apparently and I think that really worked well for them mm. I mean the whole bath scene is heartbreaking oh yeah yeah and you're right the scene where he gets violent with him it's really shocking actually and oh, I think the way Leonardo DiCaprio plays the re- his reaction to that mm. um, and, and that's when... the heartbreaking thing is that he's not he's not hurt or crying in a way that you know uh, we, we might be if someone no. did it to us and, and yeah his kind of recovery sort of almost a quick recovery from that is kind of what is what drives home that you know he's he's really got some issues yeah and you know so after he's left in the bath all night um he he's afraid of water after that and he they can't get him to have a bath mm. you know he didn't have a bath that oh, was, right. he didn't apparently that was i read that that was like he just didn't bathe during that period of the filming mm-hmm. when arnie wasn't bathing he's either. gone he's gone method yeah oh great yeah i, I still really like this film and i still i, I still can't believe None of them won an award for it. Yeah, bizarre. Yeah, because I, 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 I'd be interested to know what it was up against that year, and if there were, if whoever did win won, mm. if it was good for it. But um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really. I still think it's a really great film. And don't you don't don't you see echoes of this kind of family on like dysfunctional family ensemble indie echoed through things like Little Miss Sunshine mm. and and a lot of films like this that came later, where you've kind of got a cast of people that went on to be big. You know, they've all got their kind of distinct problems. A few of them have got kind of pronounced medical issues or, you know, something like that. And it's about how they kind of, they rattle along together. Yeah, but what I liked is that they didn't portray Arnie as being, like, crazy. Mm. He wasn't, he wasn't sort of, um, 
he was always it was always so positive. Yeah, he's only ever a danger to himself yeah. in this film. Yeah, and I really liked that, and and I actually think you know unlike Girl Interrupted or something, which shows people with men- like mental health issues, and I th- I think that's different from a learning disability, of course. But I think he isn't shown as he isn't shown as a, as a bad guy mm. or as a as, as like someone who's hurt, hurtful or going to hurt himself or others or anything like that. Mm. And I liked it. It was it's it's um it's a surprise. It's a really sweet and tender film and surprisingly gentle given um kind of the the kinds of characters that are in it. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. liked it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I mean, and we got this one technically for free. I actually it came as a cover mount DVD with The Guardian about oh a decade ago longer than a decade ago and I've just hung on to it because every time I go to throw like old films away I just think this is a film that's too good to chuck and if I get rid of this and I can't find it on the streaming service I'm going to be upset so <laughs> I'm glad now I've finally been vindicated for hanging on to this free DVD for 12 years or whatever it was Was that at that time where like you, The Guardian gave away a DVD every week or something? Uh, quite often in yeah. those like cardboard yeah. yeah I also got the original Godzilla which did get thrown out because it's, I just, it's black and white and it's about 50 years old and I just I, you know it's one of those films I like to say oh yeah I've got the original Godzilla but like I'm never going to watch it um, and what else uh, Hideous Kinky I think it's called mm-hmm. it was uh, the sort of a slightly lesser known um, Kate Winslet film yeah I uh, yeah I think I've got a, I've got a free copy of that I they don't give away films of newspapers anymore I think we've got a copy of um, Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe that was of courtesy of a Guardian yeah, giveaway. And yeah. that is a such a cool film. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've seen it with you. Yeah, sorry. I love that film. Okay. So, yeah, that's What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Wait. Oh, go on. A massive bit of trivia that I found out about this film, which shocked me to my core. Leonardo chose this film over... Hocus Pocus? Wow. Can you imagine Leonardo DiCaprio in Hocus Pocus? And to quote a third film, that is an absolute sliding doors moment for Leo DiCaprio, isn't right? it? What would he be doing now? He'd be in like Nutty Professor 2. The kid from Erie, Indiana is in Hocus Pocus. Mm. I can't even... I'm so glad he didn't take But it that. does mean he would have been in a film with Thora Birch, and I'd like to know how that that branch uh. of the... Of the indie actors of ni- the nineties tree might have panned out. Yeah, but this is like that was like a eight year old Thora Birch yeah, before true. Thora Birch was Thora Birch. Yeah. You know? um, should we talk about Leonardo DiCaprio and Johnny Depp's career trajectory? And who do you think? Who would you say is more or less successful? Oh, that's a good question. I do you know what? I don't want it to be true, but I would say. Johnny Depp's career has been more successful, but literally only because of Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I think certainly Leonardo DiCaprio is a the better actor, B has been in better films, C I would hope had made more money, but I I really not sure because well, Pirates was such a like box office juggernaut. Yeah, I I mean it's tricky to know what their like net worth is, and I don't think anything is really that accurate online. Mm-hmm. But so Leonardo DiCaprio, I think critically is more is more successful. He's won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp hasn't. Took him a long time though. Know, they overlooked him, him, didn't they? Till the Revenant. He has been nominated so many times. He was he was nominated for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, mm-hmm. um, for The Aviator, for Blood Diamond. Oh yeah. I mean, if he should get an award for the worst South African accent, I would. Yeah. Well, he he, he that won't even be the worst accent we talk about in this episode of Film no, Club. We'll, again, we'll get onto that. He got a best he got best actor nomination for Wolf of Wall Street, which I thought he played Fair. wonderfully, and then he finally won. Uh, in 2016 for The Revenant, which yeah. I think was well, well deserved. Also, this might be generalising, uh, in fact it definitely is, but I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio has great range. Like, he's played yeah. a wide range of characters very convincingly, whereas I think Johnny Depp basically just plays a kind of 
a slightly laid back, aloof character, and then they just graft a slightly different personality on it for each film. Even in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, like he's good, he's solid, but he's kind of it's it's what Johnny Depp is like anyway. He's it's very subtle, and I think he I think he plays it like quite kind of almost quite apathetic and mm. I think that isn't that is sort of way the way the town is the way his job is I think he's kind of like a metaphor for for a lot of things in this film where just people just do yeah. like, very quiet and just do the minimum to get through but I feel like I feel like over the career Leonardo DiCaprio bends his skills to what the oh. film requires and with Johnny Depp, the film comes to him. He just takes the films that he could he can do. I totally agree. And Johnny Depp like started out strong. He, I mean, he's obviously got this huge um, Tim Burton connection, and yeah, I, yeah. I think that was where his he kind of really started off with Edward Scissorhands. And I can't believe he didn't win anything for Edward Scissorhands. Mm. Really, Edward Scissorhands was in nineteen ninety, so this was three years after that. And I really, you could really see Edward's in his in he his physic physically mm-hmm. his face looks very Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, and I think when we watched it, we I said, "God, these these guys look so young." John C. Riley, him, Johnny Depp, and Leonardo DiCaprio all look so young. Apart mm. from Juliette Lewis, who still looks as young and youthful as she does in this film. She yeah, she's has got great genes. I actually I met her a few years ago, and she and she and yeah, and she you know she really didn't look much older than she did in this film. She's she is such a beauty, and she's so cool in this film. Mm. So so just to come back to the success. Uh, Things so you, Johnny Depp has never won an Academy Award. He's been nominated for Pirates of the Caribbean, Finding Neverland, oh, what? Right. and Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Do you know whenever I hear Sweeney Todd now, though, I think of The Office where they yeah, Andy does that whole Sweeney Todd. Oh yeah, The American Office. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he won a Golden Globe Award, which no one cares about. Screen Actor Guild Award. <laughs> wow, that is very dismissive of a pretty big award. So yeah, that isn't true. But you know, it's not an Oscar or a BAFTA. Yeah, sure. Um, and but, but but in my mind, nor does he deserve them. <laughs> Personally, I think I think Leo DiCaprio uh, deserves the awards that he's got. I agree. He won that Golden Globe for Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, he's won a Screen Actors Guild Award for Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, he's and you know he gets nominated for things like Golden Raspberry Awards. What even is that? Oh, that's for that's for for bad acting. That's oh. Razzies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the Razzies. I think so. Yeah. Well, shall I tell you what he's been nominated for that? Is? Yeah, sure. The Lone Ranger. Never seen it. Oh yeah, I forgot about the Lone Ranger. That was a big Disney thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mordecai. Right. Yeah. Never seen that. Alice in the Looking Glass. Gutted. Mm. Parts of the Caribbean, but specifically Dead Men Tell No Lies. Okay. <laughs> and Sherlock Gnomes. Well, there you go. Uh-huh. Well, that's a, almost a clean sweep at the Razzies. I know, and yeah, so I I agree. I think I think Leonardo DiCaprio is, is far better is far better skilled as an actor mm-hmm. and has made way better choices mm-hmm. in his in his kind of film career. I mean, all of the stuff he's done with um, Scorsese, Romeo and Juliet is I think still a brilliant film. Mm. Um, I mean, we've spoken about the beach before. He's he has done so many films, not as many as as Johnny Depp. Like granted, Johnny Depp's list is much much longer. But um, and I, I think that his most recent Revenant is such an impressive bit of filmmaking. Mm. Um, I'd like to see that again, actually. And the Oscar voting committee finally agreed. Yeah. <laughs> right, we've been talking about this for ages. Let's move we on have to your one. half an hour of Gilbert Grape. Soza. That's all right, but that's fine. Uh, I have actually got a lot to say about my film. Um, well, <laughs> it's a film. It's a film I'd never seen. Let me say that straight up front um all the all the kind of all the elements of it suggest a good film a high concept uh anthony hopkins brad pitt 
and and all at kind of quite an acting peak, you would think. Uh, what year was this? 1998. I picked 1998's Meet Joe Black, which I'd never seen, um, and I never will again. Yeah, <laughs> um, same. It's not terrible, is it? It's not terrible, but it's... Um, so, to, to give you a, a basic idea of the plot, effectively, uh, Brad Pitt plays Death, uh, who, who uh, takes the name Joe Black to basically take a holiday in our world, if you like. Um, he's come to claim Anthony Hopkins' character, William Parrish, um, and effectively... Um, he uh, yeah he he does a deal with with Anthony Hopkins character William Parrish to give him a few extra kind of days or weeks on Earth in in return for showing death around and kind of teaching him a bit more about these people that he's claiming. Uh, and while he's there, um, he basically strikes up a relationship with William Parrish's daughter, uh, and then the whole thing becomes quite overblown from there. Oh my days! This film—I've never seen this film either, mm. and because I, I got it confused, I—I I, I thought it was an, another—I thought it was a film about a mob family or something. Like he well, was coming in, and you could believe that from the marketing materials because it's all Brad Pitt, very you know, very smartly suited up, horrendous blonde highlights, but probably fine oh. in 1998. Um, and yeah, Meet Joe Black. The font, everything about it, kind of suggests that yeah, it's a, it could it looks like a gangster film. Yeah. Uh, but when I found out the concept, I thought, well, actually, this sounds great. Like I like the I like the idea. It could be like, basically, this could have been a lot of different types of film, and I've even written them down. These are the good types of film that it could have been. <laughs> okay, um, it could have been um, a sort of dark film about the inevitability of death and being kind of stalked in a sort of it follows kind of way. You know that you just can't escape it. It could have been a fun romp where you know death comes to earth a bit more like the the death you see in like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, yeah. and he's sort of kind of he's a bit of a nerd and he doesn't fit in, and it's like a kind of a comedy caper about how death can't live amongst people. Um, it could have been a, a sort of a romance or a romantic allegory for kind of falling for the wrong person and you know like finding love with someone who will literally be the death of you. Um, it could have been a, a sort of a tale of how. In business, you can't take it with you, and ultimately, you know, not everything is about profit. Yeah, I was waiting for that. I was yeah. waiting for him to say, "Okay, cool. So you've got limited time on Earth. Is this really how you want to spend your time?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get this deal done. Yeah, I'm not going to spend time with my daughters or anything." When he, like that. when he finds out he's got hours to live, he's literally like leaves his own birthday party with everyone he loves to go and do paperwork. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, and also at three hours long, <sighs> this film should have been at least one of those things I've just listed, but it. Can't kind of wasn't any of them this film is way too it's about two hours too long if you ask me and it is so um indulgent god every shot is really slow and every bit of script is said so slowly and every kiss is like all mm. flobby it is so <laughs> so long it's a it's a pace i would describe as lumbering um and also I'm kind of by the end. I'm I'm in, I'm interested in the premise of it, but the stakes are not that high. The guy that is going to die, and we're like, oh god, he's going to die, and he knows it's coming. Has had pretty much the easiest, richest life of anyone yeah. you've ever met. So like, he's fine. Like he can go. He's like die with no regrets. It's like yeah, no shit, you're going to die with no regrets. Yeah. You're a fucking bajillionaire. Yeah, and and you don't seem to have have broken any moral code in your entire life as right. well. Even now, you're trying to save your your communications company from being like broken up and sold off yeah it's got the well Alan sugars about it, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah um, it's based on a book from 1934 called Death Takes a Holiday um, oh, bad which title. I know <laughs> but also that can't, that might explain kind of some of the weird like tonal 
lightness of it. Because there are some points where it's like raging arguments and death and William Parrish are, are threatening each other. But there are other parts where it's like the most saccharine, fireworks, ballroom dancing romance. Yeah, and there are other bits where it's kind of like black comedy. Like they kind of, he's making jokes and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh, how the fuck, what is this? I, I mean, don't... to hark back to a previous episode when we were talking about um, Danny Boyle's A Life Less Ordinary, that was one where tonally it was all over the place, but I feel like it worked. Whereas this is tonally all over the place and it really doesn't. No, because it's so long, you are just like, pick a lane and get your get get hurry up like mm. get on with it but yeah. this one it's all like, like you say it's all over the place and it takes forever to get there and there's no i mean there's no rules that's the other thing it's kind of if you're bringing in a kind of a fantastical concept like death has taken human form there needs to be some kind of parameters but i mean i read a guardian review um, of, of the film and they made a good point that's kind of like you know he he claims that he's not gay in a scene but he also has to be taught how to have sex and then on the other hand he's he can pass himself off as an internal revenue investigator at one point, but he's never heard the phrase "you can avoid everything but death and taxes." So, like, yeah. his his pockets of knowledge are all over the place, and like the rules of what he isn't isn't allowed to do. You know, like in the book, death is taking a holiday, so he doesn't kill anybody. But in this one, he he you know he ends the life of a kind of terminally ill uh, Jamaican patient in hospital. Yeah, which brings me on to the other main flaw oh, of this God. film: Brad Pitt's Jamaican accent. <laughs> So I see what they're trying to do. He encounters he encounters a Jamaican woman who's on death's door in hospital, uh, and and it's kind of I think it's supposed to show his sort of otherworldliness and that he kind of you know he he picks up little bits of culture wherever he goes to to, so, to, to dispatch people. They make him talk French or something. Yeah. don't just give him a shitty. Suddenly he breaks into this really happy kind of like oh no man it's not your time like really sort of. Sub Sebastian the Crab from Little Mermaid, Jamaican it accent. Is offensive. Yeah, and it's. I mean, if it was supposed to be funny, it would. It still wouldn't quite work, and it isn't supposed to be funny. No, so basically, this woman who's in hospital and she is she's terminally ill, and the woman is from Jamaica or the Caribbean, and she sees that he has a dark spirit inside of him, and she's like, "Are you here to take me? Are you are you are you here to end me?" And he's like, shut up, sister. Like, come on, let's be, keep it on the down low. And then, then everyone kind of walks away. And then he suddenly becomes Jamaican. He's he's telling her to calm down. It's not your time. Uh, and he's like, I can't do that and stuff. And and I for a second, I thought he was just going to murder her in yeah. the middle of the thing. And then, oh, so Joe Black then goes, to, is arrested for murder. And that might be the way the film goes. Death but goes to prison. No, no. He just has a chat with her in bad Jamaican... Or they have a chat together in Jamaican accents. I I struggled to actually discern any actual words in it. Yeah. Um, apart from when he just kept saying sister. Yeah. And then he came back about half an hour later to kill her anyway. And then she did die. Yeah. So there we go. Um, <laughs> it's a film, I think, that's full of its own importance. It's so grand and opulent and long... But it doesn't... It feels like they've just done that on the concept alone. But the concept alone does not carry a three-hour film. No, it should be good. Like, yeah. This is, and I agree, I did have the sense of the Bill and Ted when, he, when it was like, death's, on, death's out there. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know, like the family guy when they have episodes of death and he like, accidentally... Like, yeah, kills people. T- kills people. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was gonna... Yeah, it was a bit like that. Yeah. But it felt like they were fishing for Oscars with this and they didn't win any, no nominations, like very few awards of any kind for this film. Good. Um, yeah, uh, it's... it's it's bizarre. Also, Claire Fulani, who plays William Parrish's daughter, I thought was fine, but she is screwing her face up at every opportunity, and she just feels very awkward, I think. she's I, I knew her mainly from Mallrats. She was in Kevin Smith's Mallrats before this. Uh. But 
she felt like I don't know I mean there was some character to her at least she wasn't just like bland love interest mm. but the way that she falls for him especially being like you know the worldly wise daughter of a director of a massive communications company she just felt a bit sort of like a bit too easily knocked off her feet yeah she didn't take long before she told him he she loved him yeah I, I think the the thing the tricky thing with this obviously is so she meets Brad Pitt's character when he was alive yeah in, in, in a coffee shop so let's, let's let's call that coffee shop Brad Pitt coffee shop Brad and yeah. they hit, really hit it off and I, and I was like when I first saw it I was like okay so he's death so is he death now but mm. he wasn't that was just coffee shop Brad yeah shortly after they meet when they look back at each other I would say 15 times oh, <laughs> very was, ridiculous so that and this is what I mean it's indulgent yeah they do that classic film walk away she looks over her shoulder then she walks on he looks over his shoulder and you know you've got one you've got one take of that like yeah. you've got one do one look over the shoulder they literally do it like yeah. three or four times each then they're done and then he immediately gets smashed up by two cars there's actually a meme that did the rounds online that's just that minute of footage just saying funny. this is the most nuts minute of any film ever it's just them looking back and forward for about two minutes and then him getting smacked off his feet and dying when he gets hit by the car that is a good that is a good car crash yeah uh, that, yeah but, but so then death inhabits his body uh, and comes back and then you've got death Brad Pitt death Brad. so then I mean let's talk about the ending which again initially I, I, I took on the idea that I'm just too dumb to understand this but actually I don't think it makes sense so I think you are too dumb. <laughs> it didn't make sense to you either. Don't be smart now. <laughs> so so Death takes off William Parrish to, to end him for good, which is fair enough. Uh, before he does that, Death is sort of a bit of a child. He's quite irresponsible with, uh, with, with the daughter's feelings. Mm. So he kind of goes to explain to her who he is, but he never actually says it. No. And you're supposed to believe that she just gets it. Like she understands that he is Death in this conversation. But I just think... When? How would that happen? No. How would anyone think about people in your daily life? How would anyone, unless you said to them and proved it that you were death? How would anyone just twig onto the idea that you are death personified? As well, like the conversation goes, like I've got to go. No, don't go. No, I've I've got to go. You don't understand. You don't know who I am. No, no, please don't go. Please don't go. No, no, no. You don't understand. She's like. I got it. You're death. Yeah, sure. I've clocked it. Go. That could be the only reason. You must be death personified. Mm, yeah. Not not just that you're elusive or you're a bit of an asshole. No, you. I, I presume that you're death mm-hmm. until proven otherwise. I know. I know what your story is. Yeah. You're death. So then he pops over the hill with Will Parrish. Will Parrish presumably dies, and then he comes back not as death Brad Pitt, but as coffee shop Brad Pitt. Weird. Which presumably means if death can bring people back, why doesn't he just save her dad? I know. And also. Death Brad Pitt fucks up, fucks up for Brilliant Parish's kind of situations m- massively, right? Mm. Uh, so you might kind of say, oh, soz for all of that. I'd say, do you know what, mate? Let's just call it quits and I just won't kill you. Yeah. But he has to kill him and they do and they do this kind of long, protracted walk up the hill over the bridge and then will it, Brad, then coffee shop Brad Pitt just walks back over the bridge. Yeah. And then meets old silly daughter and then they have a snog and then they kind of walk off and everyone's fine yeah, yeah absolutely bizarre again if I and if I were his daughter there and met coffee shop Brad Pitt I'd be like wait where's my dad I just saw him walk over the hill and oh my god my dad's dead did you just kill my dad yeah would have, would, where's, where's the crime yeah here? but apparently she's already clocked that she knows her dad's gonna die she's decided she doesn't want to do anything about that and weirdly she says I wish my dad could have met you <laughs> What I don't get so, it. So she knows not only was the one the Brad Pitt that walked over the hill death, and her dad's gone to die, but that the guy that's come back is not the same one. Yeah. She's clocked all of that without anyone saying anything to her about it. 
I mean, maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe her character is actually the most perceptive human being in history. Bullshit, <laughs> she is. No. So, uh, well, there's, there's good news and bad news about how long this film is. It turns out there is uh, a version that's an hour shorter that they show on airplanes. But the way that they've done that is not by getting rid of all the lingering shots and the overanalyzing and the ridiculous plot lines. It's by cutting out everything about the subplot of William Parrish's business takeover. So you just don't have any of the the business side of things, which I thought was actually probably one of the more interesting bits yeah. of the film. Uh, I don't. Yeah, that feels weird to me. Yeah, well, it felt weird to the director too. He was he disowned it, and so it's credited by a different name that version. Oh, but I mean, right. I sort of think if you're the director of Meet Joe Black and you're taking your name off one version, take your name off all of them. All of them. It's, it's not a good film. <laughs> um, so yeah, oh, a couple of other little bits about it. Um, so it's listed on IMDb as a drama and a fantasy and a romance, which I guess is fair because it's all over the shop. Sure. Um, I I was hoping for something a bit darker, a bit more gothic. Uh, yeah, because have you seen Constantine? Yes. Yeah, I thought it'd be like that. Yeah, yeah, that makes that would have been that would have been better. Uh, Gene Hackman was uh, originally considered for William Parrish, the role that uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins had. Um, one of the reasons this sold a lot of cinema tickets uh, early doors. Do you know about this? No. Uh, it sold loads of cinema tickets when it came out because it was the first film to be prefaced by the trailer for Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. <gasps> so scores of Americans went to see this film, paid their fifteen dollars, sat down for four minutes, left the cinema without seeing Meet Joe Black, and I would say they made the right decision. Uh, well, actually, no, they didn't because Phantom Menace was pretty bad as well. But sure. yeah, so that happened. Um, and yeah, apparently Anthony uh, Hopkins and the director Martin Brest fought a lot over the, the whether to do multiple takes of each shot. Uh-huh. And I mean, when you see how long the shots are, you can imagine how multiple takes of each of those shots yeah. could have got pretty boring pretty yeah. quickly. Um, the other thing that I thought was a bit silly and kind of sums this film up a lot is that um, Anthony Hopkins' character is referred to as Bill Parrish. Uh, so, of course, his real name is William Parrish, Will Parrish, Will Parrish. That's why he's called that. Because it implies that Yikes. he's going to die, he will perish, he's will perish. <laughs> that is tenuous. Like, it's terrible, isn't on. it? Terrible. Who cares? I know. Like... They might as well have called the other guy Meet Joe Death, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, in summary, meet Slow Black, meet Slow Whack. <laughs> Do you know what? Good one. Um, I also thought when watching this film that the sound levels are all over the show as well. Oh, it's yeah. so annoying. Because that, that whole party scene... So, for, you know he's going to die at the end of the party. And so that party scene is about an hour long. Yeah. And so for an hour, you're like, wait, come on, okay, he's going to die now. Oh, 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 oh now. He's going he's gonna to die on the dance floor when he's having his last dance floor. Oh, no, okay, cool. So he's going to have a little walk now. And it just goes yeah. on and on and oh, on. Oh, so we're not going to see him die at all. He's going to yeah. do it off camera now. Meanwhile, in the background of all of the this whole hour-long scene, whether you're in the mansion or on the dance floor or up the hill when he's about to die... That fucking band <laughs> is playing that cover for the whole time, and it is like playing different verses of pretty much the same song. Yeah. Oh my Terrible. god. And there are bits where it's like Anthony Hopkins is screaming his face off. Brad Pitt in response is whispering, so you can barely hear him. It needs subtitles. It needs remaking. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to go in the bin and bin. or probably lose at least forty-five minutes. Yeah, it is, it is not good. Uh, I wish it had been good, but no, sadly not. So that's uh, that's me, Joe Black. Shall we look at how they stack up critically and financially? Yes. So, what's eating Gilbert Grape uh, was uh, made in, well released in ninety three or ninety four in the UK. Uh, IMDb gave it seven point eight out of ten. I think that's a bit mean. 
I think I think it's an eight point something. I agree. Yeah, uh, it was made for an estimated eleven million dollars. Uh, in its first week, it made seventy four thousand four hundred twenty one dollars oh, no. back. Uh, to date, worldwide, according to IMDb, it's made ten million thirty two thousand. So it hasn't even made its budget back <gasps> as of now, apparently. Oh. Which is nuts. I'm. I mean, I would have thought just from people going back. Well, I suppose that's box office. Mm. So that's. But still. You would think that people would go back, you know, now that Johnny Depp and Leo DiCaprio are massive. Massive, yeah. Uh, Meet Joe Black, 1998, 7.2 out of 10, which I would say is very generous. Jesus Christ, this what is, would you give it? I would give it like a 5.8. I'd give it like a 3. Would you? Yeah. Well, made for an estimated $90 million, opening weekend it did $15 million. This is interesting. Totally in the US today, it's done forty four million six hundred nineteen, so less than half its budget. Wow! But it's made an additional almost hundred million dollars elsewhere in the world. So the only thing I can think is that, like perhaps culturally, tales about death taking a human form or kind of this sort of mythology are just bigger business outside of outside of the US. I don't know. Or Brad Pitt was just such a bankable star that. You know, people want to see this around the world. Mm. I mean, I can only think this film could be made even worse by being dubbed into another language. Yeah. I mean, this is... It was Pete Brad heartthrob time, right? He's got, like, the curtains. Yeah. He's got those, like you said, those blonde highlights. Um, where, where does this come in his, like... When did Fight Club come in this? Fight Club is after this. Right. I think Fight Club was... Because Fight Club was um, early early turn of the millennium. Or, or 99, I think. Right. Um, uh, so he's he's very he's very heartthrobby. It's, it's peak Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. It's, it's an absolute could have been of a film, isn't it? It could have been Claire Fulani's breakthrough. Uh, it could have been, you know, an Oscar for Sir Anthony Hopkins. It could have been an Oscar for Brad Pitt. Mm. Um, it could have been a high concept, like, deep dark romance yeah and it, it just wasn't no no it was neither here nor there it was... let's let's just take a look a bit of live imd being here uh, at where it falls in the uh, brad pitt trajectory okay so this uh fell between seven years in tibet oh. uh, and also in the run-up to this he did the devil's own and sleepers which i would love to see again I haven't seen that and 12 monkeys seven legends <gasps> of the fall all of them came before this oh, true monkeys. romance california all of that stuff came before this after this, the next thing he did was being John Malkovich. So ah. we could have had that. Although he's uncredited, so I don't know how big a part he plays. Ah. Uh, and after that was Fight Club, followed by Snatch, The Mexican, Spy Game, and a guest appearance on Friends. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, have you seen Seven Years of Tibet? No, I don't think I have. Oh, that is another long film, but um, and very quiet film, but it's quite nice. Yeah, okay. it's really good. Oh, well, maybe there'll be a Brad, a Brad Pitt category down the, yeah. down the line as well. Also, Twelve Monkeys would watch that. I can't, oh, yeah. I can barely even remember that, but it's really good. Yeah, another fantastic cast as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe we'll get the opportunity. Maybe there'll be a film with a number in the title or yeah. something like that. I mean, Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp, and Leonardo DiCaprio—they—they've kind of—they're all kind of the sim- similar age and in a, in a similar category, if you ask me. Of like these, they're 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 massive Hollywood stars, obviously. And I, I think Brad Pitt, like Leonardo DiCaprio, as he's gotten older, has made better film choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and Johnny Depp hasn't. No, he—he <laughs> <laughs> he really hasn't. Uh, no. Um, shall on that tip, shall we? 
pick another well, category. Wait, which one's better? Oh, which one's better? I've got to concede. What's eating Gilbert Grape is is by far the superior film I this week. Would have to agree. Yeah, yeah. Joe Black can go in the bin. I think we're learning from like when you chose Red Eye for Killian Murphy, when I chose Meet Joe Black. When we pick films blind, <laughs> sight unseen, we often get burned. I mean, it's fun to watch a film you've never seen before, though. But but in this case, there's a reason. Yeah, I think there are way better films with a name in the title that we should have we could have watched instead of your choice. And I do think sometimes these films you can just tell from you catch the odd review you see a weird poster you can just catch the bad stink off films that aren't going to be that great yeah yeah, yeah. all right uh, i think it's my turn to pick oh, this week say that, you? and there's one wedged in the lid maybe i'll go for that one okay i'm going to take that just for simplicity's sake there you go oh okay this could be this could be quite sweet yeah. I might have to go quite far back in time, I think, for mine. Mm, tricky. And it's, it, what, does class, what does that mean? That, well, that's, it's open to interpretation. Classic. Yeah. Who decides that? Uh, Just our, our interpretation. I mean, if you, if you pick something, we're giving a bit away, if you pick something that you consider a classic and it turns out to not be a classic, then we'll certainly be talking about it next, but next who, time. But who decides if it's a classic or not? Oh, you have to. Oh, okay. You've got to pick in your eyes a classic. It's not like the world has said this is, this is a classic. Uh, no, I think it has to be a classic by your own okay. standards and definitions. This is just a jumping off point. Okay. 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 Um, so if you uh, had a film with a, a name in the title that you'd like to uh, have put forward, or you've got thoughts on What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Meet Joe Black, or Film Club Podcast in general, uh, please do get in touch with us. It's filmclubpod at gmail.com, and we're on Twitter at filmclubpoduk. Uh, we also put up a little poll on our socials, on our Twitter every week, so that you can participate and tell us which of these films you think was best. If you vote for Meet Joe Black, frankly don't come back to the podcast again you're not welcome <laughs> and also let us know if you started your own film club and if you do this at home now uh, and if you are looking for some cheap nights uh, and just to have some film open your film horizons it's quite fun to know or hear if it is if it's gone viral if it's gone viral um, it yeah. won't have <laughs> also uh, send us categories and we might put them in the jar and you may end up with an episode devoted to your own category um, I also it's not an advert we're not paid for this but I would want to recommend a an app or a service called justwatch.com uh, which I use quite often you can put in the name of any film and it tells you where you can find it and how much so it's certainly the aim of this podcast is to help people find fun films and rediscover classics cheaply uh, it will certainly tell you if you can watch it for free and it will show you where the cheapest place to find it is um, but I'll always try eBay as well so many DVDs on eBay now and down local charity shops you know 50p is the the going rate for ch- charity shop DVDs near us so mm-hmm. yeah that's that's your key to a cheap night in um, so that's it for this week thanks very much and you'll be hearing us talk about some kind of classic next Sorry. week but what kind <laughs> you'll have to listen to find out uh, thanks for listening and goodbye theme music is written and performed by Tom Rosenfeld and Joe Silverstone. Uh, if you want to find out more about them and the many great bands they're in, including Mesodorm, The Spindle Ensemble and Our Man in the Field, you can go to Tom's Instagram at instagram.com slash four vertical, the number four and the word vertical, or instagram.com slash Joe Silvercello. That's J-O Silvercello.